This is the Cater Daily Podcast for Monday, August 22nd, 2022. I'm Caleb Brown. Regulators gotta regulate. But in the case of the myriad cryptocurrencies that are out there, are those currencies really securities? Cato's Jack Soloway and Jennifer Shelp have developed a proposed framework as Congress looks at how to or if to regulate crypto. It's now available at Cato.org. When we have regulators uh, at the federal level that are arguing, no, 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 we have ownership of the regulations governing crypto. We have at least several agencies that have attempted to issue regulations uh, and they don't necessarily uh, jive with one another. And there's a core question here, which is what is the stuff that you're trying to regulate? And a lot of agencies are saying it seems that cryptocurrencies are different things uh, and they don't appear to fit neatly within any one of these categories that uh, federal regulators would like to use to hang their hat on when it comes time to regulate. So, um, Jennifer, let me start with you. Is our cryptocurrencies securities for the purpose of federal regulation? So the SEC says yes. Most crypto, if not all crypto, with the exception of Bitcoin, is a security. Gary Gensler has said this time and time again. But Gary Gensler is not right, and he shouldn't be right. Um, Jack and I have proposed a framework that takes a much closer question using the current law and regulations to determine when crypto is, in fact, a security. And that test for us hinges on whether a crypto project is decentralized. Um, I'll let Jack talk a little bit more about what that means. All right, Jack. So, uh, you know, regulators would like to regulate. That's their job. And the more important things they can regulate, the better off the agency feels it is. So when are cryptocurrencies securities? So under our framework, as Jen mentioned, we consider crypto tokens to be securities when they are centralized. And that means that there is a managerial body that will be exercising ongoing control over the crypto project. However, when there is not such a body, when a token project is decentralized, in that case, we would not, under our framework, consider crypto tokens to be securities. All right. Now, I'm a federal regulator now. Just pretend I'm a federal regulator. We're going to do a little sketch here. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Boo. (laughs) Well, Jack, Jennifer, all your framework does is encourage more crypto projects without some sort of central governing board. They're going to skirt the law by establishing that their project does not have a a central authority running it. I wouldn't say that's skirting the law. Um, The securities laws are designed in order to deal with certain types of risks. And some of the most important risks that the securities laws deal with are the risk that the person running a project, be that an orange grove, be that a car manufacturer, um, be that an insurance company, knows so much more about the project that they can have a better idea as to what that project is worth 
and the investor has no way of checking their information or understanding as much as the manager does about the project. If there's no managerial body, um, if a project is totally decentralized, that risk does not exist because there is no one that knows more. So the securities laws are not appropriately applied in those situations. So it's not skirting the law to not be a project to which the law does not apply. I'm trying to imagine a, a corollary here, but like when you buy a used car, the guy at the car lot knows a heck of a lot more about that car than you do. And we've tr we've overcome a lot of those information asymmetries that exist in some markets. You can get a car fax for a car that is a used car. You can find out whether or not the car has been damaged in the securities space. Uh, Jennifer, if I understand you correctly, you're arguing basically that uh, because these information asymmetries exist, there is an arguable role for a uh, regulator to jump in and say, you need to be providing some basic information to the people who may want to purchase uh, your products or your, your, your debt or, or any number of other uh, financial products that uh, you are selling. In the crypto space where there isn't that central authority, you're suggesting, I think, that that information is just out there. And if you're smart enough to figure out what these white papers <laughs> from these crypto projects actually mean, then go for it. Yeah, I think that's that's a pretty good summary. Um, say the the securities laws deal with a number of issues, and that's not to set aside the fact that um, in order to be a security, you you generally have to meet certain other requirements, um, such that you're there's an investment of money that's looking for a profit. So that that takes the used car dealers off the plate of being securities. Um, but the fact that crypto does not have that manager, a, a decentralized crypto project does not have that managerial body takes out a very important risk that the securities laws are designed to mitigate, and that is that information asymmetry. Um, and here, if a project does not have that, the securities laws should not apply in our view. Um, our proposal looks to make that clear, but we think that the current law makes that clear as well um, when you understand it. When we talk in the crypto space, we hear a lot about kind of what I refer to as the infamous Howey test, um, which is the Supreme Court test from the 1940s that talks about when an investment contract is a security. Um, we we believe that under a good reading of the Howey test, a decentralized project should not be considered to be a security as well. Jack, with specific respect to cryptocurrencies that are decentralized, that uh, according to your framework would not fall within uh, the regulatory purview of the Securities and Exchange Commission, what are the risks that are specific to those, uh, those projects, those cryptos? Sure. So with respect to decentralized projects, there's always a possibility that there could be fraud. Um, and there are a lot of tools that individuals have in our legal system from common law fraud actions um, to other types of contractual actions um, that could be used to address um, situations where someone is not living up to their promises. Notably, with respect to decentralized projects, however, uh, one of the defining characteristics is that there is not, as we were discussing, a managerial body that would have been in a position to make those promises in the first place. So that's 
really one of the ways in which the uh, decentralized technology underlying cryptocurrencies serves to mitigate some of the risks inherently. There are people who work on crypto projects, and uh, to the extent that they know a lot more about what their project looks like, uh, even if ultimately they, you know, set the perpetual motion machine in motion and then sort of walk away from it, uh, there may be ways for those people to game it in a way that uh, somebody who is maybe less knowledgeable would not be able to do so. What is there a role for government in dealing with that or should markets sort that sort of thing out? There's definitely a role for markets to sort that out. Um, as we were discussing, in, in cases of clear fraud, um, there could be private actions. There's also regulators that have authority to uh, regulate unfair and deceptive business practices. So it's not like there's an entire vacuum um, with respect to any regulation whatsoever of the crypto markets. Um, the specific question that we're addressing is whether um, the SEC in particular should have jurisdiction and authority over these types of crypto tokens that are out there. And I think Jack makes a really important point there, which is we often hear in the media and we've heard this narrative a lot that, that crypto isn't regulated. Um, that narrative just is not true. Um, there are a lot of regulations that can apply to crypto, including the standard anti-fraud regulations that Jack's talking about. The big question is who really should be doing the regulating and where does it make sense to have either a specialty regulator involved or a particular regulator that's focused on crypto involved? And those are the questions that we're answering here. Um, general regulation about how business is done, about fraud, all of that applies to crypto. And there's a lot of other regulations that, that apply to crypto as well. Um, it's not a wholly unregulated space. Um, but the big questions are who should be the primary regulators of some of this activity? Congress is perhaps likely to move on some sort of uh, crypto regulation or establishing a framework for helping sort out which regulators get to regulate what. Uh, what do you expect in the near term? So while there are a lot of proposals out there with different provisions addressing the questions you ask, Caleb, there is something of an emerging consensus that the uncertainty with respect to whether the SEC or other regulators have jurisdiction over crypto tokens needs to be addressed legislatively, that the regulators have not resolved the question. They have not provided formal guidance or notice and comment rulemaking. So there probably is a role for the legislature to help facilitate um, dispelling some of that regulatory uncertainty. What does disclosure look like in a regime where, depending on whether or not a project is centralized or not centralized, who's doing the reporting? What can give those people who are investing or want to build apps on top of a cryptocurrency, who is doing the disclosing? So I think there's a couple of things to unpack in that question. And one is the concept of a decentralizing crypto project, because under our framework, a decentralized project wouldn't be a security. By that, 
one that's in the process of decentralizing would be considered a security and would be subject to the SEC's jurisdiction. That would mean under current law, the SEC would require that product to either be registered or subject to an exemption from registration and subject to all of the same types of disclosures that you would have of an equity stock. Um, which is kind of strange in the crypto space when a lot of those disclosures don't provide a lot of information to a crypto user. Um, and some of those disclosures might not even be possible to make for a crypto project. So we propose what, what we're kind of referring to as a, an alternative disclosure framework. I think we have a fancier term for that that Jack can, Jack can bring in, but that looks more specifically at decentralizing projects with the idea of providing crypto users information that's relevant for their decision-making. And Jack can explain a little more. So that fancy title we're using is a tailored registration framework. And to Jen's point, there's sort of a, a lack of clear fit between existing securities disclosure requirements and the crypto ecosystem. So even for a decentralizing project, that's one that under our test still at some phase has a managerial body. So Caleb, to your question, that the promoter, the developer, the seller, those would be the folks that would be making the disclosures for a um, centralized uh, crypto project. And some of the disclosures that we propose are tailored and designed to address information that would actually be useful to crypto token purchasers in the market. So one of the um, key features of a bona fide of a bona fide cryptocurrency is a decentralized ledger and that's transparent. It's in open source code. There can be tools that allow for real-time searches of that ledger. So traditional financial statements um, are not necessarily relevant. And our framework, for example, would ask for the managerial body to provide a block explorer, which is a tool, um, as I just mentioned, allowing for a search in real time of that transaction history. Jack Sullivy is a policy analyst at the Cato Institute, where Jennifer Schulp directs financial regulation studies. Please give a rating to the Cato Daily Podcast on your podcast platform of choice and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.